Welcome to another episode of Living Wellness Manifest. I'm Dr. Anna. In today's podcast, we're going to dive into a new topic. We're going to talk about channeling, channeled entities, ascended masters, angels, and demons within our own consciousness. So when I say channeled entities, of course, I'm talking about entities like Abraham, you know, Esther Hicks and Abraham, and entities like Seth. And the ascended masters are really also channeled entities. An example of an ascended master is Saint Germain and the channeled I am discourses. Of course, we're also going to look at this from Neville Goddard's perspective. Before we jump into the topic of channeled entities and angels and demons and things, we need to talk about oneness again, because the assumption of the non-dual practice of manifestation is that we are all one and if everything is one then do channeled entities and angels and demons really have their own separate existence if all is one and one is all then what does it mean to channel an entity and this is just food for thought i have several blog posts covering oneness non-duality god realization versus solipsism If you're unsure what non-duality means, I recommend you dive into those blog posts. When somebody's channeling, imagine it like this. You're on a phone call with a higher level consciousness, the entities like Seth and Abraham, and you're getting wisdom from the higher level consciousness. But here's the question. Is that conversation happening only within your own consciousness? You're clearly tuning in to your own radio station, your own consciousness. You're listening to your own higher awareness. Basically, you're diving into the depths of your own mind. But do the entities exist in another dimension outside of yourself, out there? Or are they part of a collective conscious mind? Are they manifested by you and being received by you? Or are they only in your own mind. And what about angels and demons? Angels are usually considered good vibes, but angels can actually also be evil. They've been part of our stories since forever. They've been spreading love and wisdom, but they've also been spreading fear. We have imagined angels for thousands of years. And demons, demons feed off of negativity and fear. We've been imagining demons for just as long as we've been imagining angels. But where do angels and demons come from? Do they live in another dimension in the universe? Or are they too just part of your own consciousness, your own mind? They do not only feed off of fear. They also come from fear. In Hebrews chapter 1, we read something about angels. It says, so he became as far superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. It's talking about Jesus. So Jesus is superior to the angels. That's good to know. Ascended masters are believed to be spiritually enlightened beings who were once human and have undergone a series of spiritual transformations eventually reaching a state of higher consciousness and wisdom. They're thought to have transcended the cycle of reincarnation. 
but remain accessible to us to guide and help humanity from higher realms. Ascended Masters is an American concept. The idea of Ascended Masters is very similar to deities, which have roots in various mystical and spiritual traditions throughout history, but it became prominent in America in the late 19th and early 20th century. This Theosophical Society founded by Helena Blavatsky in the late 19th century played a significant role in popularizing the idea of Ascended Masters. Helena Blavatsky and other Theosophists claimed that these enlightened beings were guiding human evolution and that they could impart spiritual teachings to those willing to receive them. However, Helena Blavatsky is considered to be quite demonic to many people. If that's the case, are you sure you're channeling Ascended Masters? Or are you possibly channeling evil angels or even demons? Let's look at this from the Law of Assumption perspective. Through the eyes of Neville Goddard. If you only look through the lens of the Law of Assumption, then what you assume to be true becomes true for you. So if you assume that angels are guiding you, you will see signs of that guidance everywhere. And if you're convinced that demons are lurking around, you'll find evidence of that too. If you believe that channeled entities and ascended masters can deliver deeper truths to you, then that can become true for you. By your disbelief in oneness, in one singular power that is love, consciousness, awareness, and bliss, you give space for fear to take root and your assumptions manifest. And that's basically how you would manifest the demonic presence according to the law of assumption. Think of this like being the director of your own movie. Your assumptions are the script, the universe is the stage where this movie is performed. But you're not just the director. You're the player and the producer and the writer. It is all you. And that's the law of assumption. To recap a little bit right here, what we have discussed so far is this. Every assumption that you make carries the power to shape an accompanying energy structure, a felt experience of an angelic presence, or a shadowy entity exuding dark energy, a channeled entity, or the inspiration of an ascended master. The creation of these energies is an internal process emanating from your own being. That's according to the law of assumption, anyway. But I'm a fan of looking things up at their very source, so let's do that. Let's look at what the Bhagavad Gita says. In Bhagavad Gita chapter 7.22, Lord Krishna says, Endowed with faith, the devotee worships a particular celestial god and obtains the objects of desire. But in reality, I alone arrange these benefits. Now, who is it that's speaking? Who is it that's saying I alone? Well, it's God or Brahman. This is Brahman speaking. He goes on to say, But the fruit gained by these people of little understanding is perishable. Those who worship the celestial gods 
Go to the celestial abodes, while my devotees come to me. The less intelligent think that I, the Supreme Lord Krishna, was formless earlier and have now assumed this personality. They do not understand the imperishable, exalted nature of my personal form. I am not manifest to everyone. Being veiled by my divine Yogmaya energy, hence those without knowledge do not know that I am without birth and changeless. From these sutras from the Bhagavad Gita, with the creator of the universe speaking, we learn quite a bit. According to these verses, God is revealed to us in the form that resonates with an individual's needs or readiness. This may contradict prevailing beliefs, as even a person inclined towards a different faith may have an experience of a different deity or a spiritual figure, such as a follower of a different religion suddenly experiencing the presence of Jesus. According to the Bhagavad Gita, God decides, but we may be blind. We are all unique beings and the religious experience is deeply personal. Some people perceive the divine in apparitions, like Jesus, or Mother Mary, or Lord Krishna. Others might witness a divine presence in nature. They might find themselves witnessing the beauty of nature and experiencing God's self and seeing God in trees where other people just see a tree. An enlightened person sees the creator that made the tree. Not everyone perceives this presence, of course. But the potential to perceive God exists in everyone. The intensity and depth of this experience may vary based on individual desire and readiness. Saint Bernadette's visions of Mother Mary serve as a powerful reminder of the profound spiritual experiences and dedication to faith. While someone dabbling in the occult will see demons or have experiences of haunting such as nightmares or hallucinations of evil. The creator of the universe in the Bhagavad Gita's sutras also let us know that if we are focused only on God, we skip all that and he brings us straight to him without stopping at go. We have a choice and it's called free will. But Neville Goddard, he says, no, there are no masters, no elder brothers, all of this nonsense, all through the world, you have these isms glorifying the little individual who started it. No, you can't meet anyone in this world, not anyone who potentially is greater than you are. That's Neville Goddard's words. What does he mean by this? He addresses these topics in some of his Q&As after his lectures. Neville, are there masters? This is one question after a lecture. Neville's answer is a no. Like I just read, he says no masters, no elder brothers, all of this nonsense. All throughout the world you have these isms glorifying the little individual who started it. No, you can't meet anyone in this world, not anyone, who potentially is greater than you are. You can't because you are God. You can't meet anyone that he loved more than he loves you because he chose you. 
That's what I said tonight of Paul. He rubbed out completely anything between himself and God. It has been my misfortune, and yet, in a way, I learned from it. But I've had the dubious pleasure of meeting masters and holy people. Had I known then, I'd have turned right around and started running away. Don't believe in them. Yet there are people who insist on believing in them and are willing to pay for it. If I would tell them I'm a master, yes, I have no credentials to prove it, but I'm a master, then I could charge a thousand dollars. I'm a master. Neville is not favorable to ascended masters. He goes on to say, why, there are phonies all over the world and you can't stop them. They thrive like weeds. Read any Saturday morning's paper advertising their little isms. They have come down from heaven on a white horse and they have come down on all kinds of things, blowing trumpets, when you read it. And see my little ad, which comes out once a month on the same page, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to see that my little ads is on the same page with this monstrous thing, but you can't help it. You can't choose where you're going to put the ad, they put it on that page, so you're stuck. There aren't any masters. You will find yourself one day the recipient of his bounty, and the whole thing unfolds within you. And there was no master. I know, the book of the masters of the Far East. I think he has written five books. He's gone now. But he never left America. Spalding, he never left this country. But he tells a beautiful story of how when I was in India and all these masters and how the birds come and nested in his hair, his body was there, incapacitated for six months just vegetating when he, the spirit, returned to the body. It was all cataleptic and the birds had nested in the hair and he simply moved back into the body and woke the body up. Spalding was about that big with a huge big growth on his nose. I can see him now at my meetings at the Ebel Theater in Los Angeles. One day he simply stepped off the car and dropped. That was his exit. Maybe he has gone to India now. He never saw India. But all these are the masters of the Far East. He wrote one just to boil the pot, as so many other writers do. It caught on, so he wrote a second one and a third. If he were still alive, he would have written a sixth by now. He has five. I hope he is successful because my publisher is his publisher. Yeah, I think we get the picture now. Neville did not ascribe any reality to ascended masters. But what did he think about negative energies or demons? Another question from a Q&A after his lecture. Question. In Luke, regarding the unclean spirit that comes out of a man, I don't understand it. Neville Goddard answers. When the unclean spirit has been cast out of a man, this is a disembodied idea. For a demon is not some disembodied spirit. It's a prejudice. It is a superstition. It is a false pride. 
all these bedevil a man and so you entertain one and you're gonna get two you're gonna get seven and they never stop there you start with one superstition and all of a sudden you have a thousand of them but they have to have a man as the agent to express themselves they can't express themselves without a man man is the agent that expresses all the unlovely things in the world these unclean spirits when you go outside of self and you turn to a false God, you will never find him. When you start with one idol, you multiply it. So these are the demons spoken of in the scriptures. You have a superstition and you can't stop at one. Were you ever in the theater? There you find superstitions by the millions. Can't whistle in your own room, you can't put your shoe above where your head would be, you can't open an umbrella inside. Talk about superstitions. Go into the theater, I'm not fooling you. They make you go outside and do all kinds of nonsense if you absent-mindedly whistle in your own dressing room or do any of these little things that I mentioned, but they really believe it brings bad luck. And to the degree that they are self-convinced that it does, it actually does. So these are the demons that possesses the mind of a man and certainly false pride is a frightful demon. I must be seen with what I call the proper people and I can't be seen in certain areas, certain restaurants and certain this, that and the other because it isn't the thing to do. Well, that's false pride. Are you starting to get the idea of how Neville Goddard sees this? This is the law of assumption. Unlike the law of attraction, the law of assumption has no, shall we call it, occult elements in it. The law of assumption, as explained by Neville Goddard, really vehemently rejects occultism. But let's see what Neville Goddard has to say about prophecies. You know, people who prophesize about things like the end of the world and, and things that are going to happen to people. You know, psychics. Question. Jean Dixon, do you know who she is? Neville Goddard answers, yes, I've heard of her. Question. Okay. She prophesizes like she gets these messages. Don't you think it's her imagination that when she thinks something dire is going to happen and says that that is why it happens, because she has imagined it. Is that the way it works? Neville Goddard answers. First of all, she is not a woman of vision. She is not a woman who actually has the vision of scripture. But she can become self-persuaded using any little technique. She can use cards, tarot cards. She can use the stars, astrology. She can use monkey bones and tea leaves and to the degree that she is self-persuaded that these things mean what she thinks that they do mean. Well, to that degree, they will come to pass. But you never hear them tell you of their mistakes. For instance, we had two candidates running for the presidency. All right, you can tell them both secretly that you're going to be president. One has to be, so you're 50% right. Well, that's such a major thing, but you're also 50% wrong, but you don't talk about that. Only talk about that which has been 
publicized as correct. Let me explain more because for the law of assumption student, this is crucial for anyone else. It doesn't matter. You have your belief. Enjoy it. I'm not here to stop you from believing what you believe. I'm just going to explain what happens when people experience these things, channeled entities, angels, demons, and such. But if you listen from here on, be prepared to take full responsibility for your stuff. So let's talk about it. Neville Goddard emphasizing the immense power of our own imagination and intention underscores the principle that our thoughts, whether consciously or unconsciously focused, will materialize into our reality whether seen or unseen, whether tangible or ethereal. In essence, we can imagine anything we desire but drawing from these teachings and from Kabbalah, which is the origins of the Law of Assumption and the Bible, we learn that angels are of our own creation, emanating from our actions and from our being, from our goodness. Our general disposition shapes a specific type of angel for us. You see, not all angels are inherently benevolent. This depends on who we are. This explanation enlightens us because it highlights our ability to create good angels who operate in our favor. In this context, we can assert that angels are entities lesser than ourselves since they are created by us. Without the canvas of our minds, they cease to exist. Once again, from Hebrews chapter 1, the sun is greater than the angels. But why is the sun greater? Isn't he also just an apparition of our mind? No, the sun referred to is Jesus, and Jesus is God. The term angel, it stems from a Greek word for messenger. A messenger is not God. Meeting an angel implies encountering a messenger. In our spiritual and religious discourse, an angel embodies a messenger of God. Jesus is God, the same as God, the same as the Creator. And again, in Kabbalistic literature, angels are described as forces that convey information and sensations between mankind and the Tetragrammaton. The Tetragrammaton is the Creator. They are likened to atoms, wavelengths, or channels assisting God in his creation. The tetragrammaton is yod he vau which is the I am, which is God. Consequently, angels should not be venerated, prayed to, or invoked. They aren't physical, but spiritual entities akin to spiritual atoms. Therefore, when they manifest in the Hebrew Bible, their portrayal is from the perspective of the recipient of the vision, prophecy, or event. They're not corporeal beings, but are likened to a single emotion, a feeling, or material, all controlled by God for His purpose of creation. Each time you perform a benevolent act, or act in a way that resonates with what is right and humane 
extending help without hidden motives and so on you create a positive energy field around yourself these energy fields transmute into angelic energies among other things it is akin to stepping into a beam of light and suddenly perceiving that beam of light an angel may or may not manifest in the vision of individuals within this energy field everyone can have these experiences if you are catholic and your deeds are virtuous your faith is strong and your subconscious dwells on goodness you may witness the presence of mother mary if you pray to lord krishna or hanuman you may encounter a vision of lord hanuman there are numerous accounts of lord hanuman manifesting alongside ramdas's guru people have seen a giant monkey over 10 feet tall in place of where the guru was mother mary embodies a profoundly healing energetic field similarly lord hanuman emanates humility healing and the energy of bestowing grace unearned gifts blessings and good fortune a person who has a humility stronger than the ego will begin to experience these divine energies in awesome visions and alongside with the channeled entities ascended masters and angels of course we have the idea of the negative spectrum the dark energies demons in kabbalah demons are also energies that we create within ourselves the zohar which is a significant kabbalistic text connects these energies to a part of our consciousness linked to impurity understanding this sheds some light on how we generate and interact with the energies impurity here can mean deceit or rage or hate stealing cheating betraying self-pity etc the more impurity you engage in the more negative energies you generate around yourself this podcast won't be complete without talking about fading energies you have probably heard children's stories in where kids are told that because people don't believe in say santa claus anymore he is fading from existence this is correct in a manifestational sense because without us sustaining these ideas and concepts they do in fact fade and die for you back to neville goddard this exploration prompts us to confront the profound role of our consciousness in shaping the energies that surround us if you perceive it outside of self it originated within self that is the simplest takeaway if you perpetuate the outside circumstances as being more true than the divine connection within you you manifest a world where you are at the mercy of unpredictable forces this is a reminder of the significant responsibility we hold to cultivate positivity love and compassion within ourselves if we want to experience these things the energies we manifest cannot exist without us whether it be angels demons or ascended masters or anything in between it is ourselves that create the dark or the light energies around ourselves the entities that some people channels are created by themselves and all angels and other deities are created by ourselves and most importantly they are lesser than us 
and cannot sustain us. Channeling is essentially tapping into a source of wisdom beyond our immediate understanding. It is like tuning into a radio station that broadcasts insights from the universe, shall we say, or from the recesses of our own minds. People have been doing this for ages, seeking guidance, seeking knowledge that goes beyond what our regular senses can grasp. Angels and dark entities might sound mysterious, but let's simplify. Think of them as energetic reflections of our emotions and intentions. Angels might represent positivity, compassion and support, and on the flip side, dark entities embody negativity, often created out of our own fears or anger or other heavy emotions. They're like the clouds that temporarily block the sun. Just for fun, Imagine that for every good thing that you do, a personal angel is created that acts as a messenger between your divine self, between you and God, between your physical body and God, the creator, that does your bidding just the way you want it to, that protects you and guides you. Happy manifesting, guys. God bless you, and I'll see you in my next podcast.